are listening to Sermons by the Park from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. This is Pastor Aaron Shepard, and I was away for a couple weeks at the beginning of January, but there was some excellent preaching while I was gone, and I'm happy to share those messages with you. Today's message comes to us from Penny Kearns, a Union Congregational member who preached on January 14th. I'm going to read the uh, first reading today, which is uh, Psalm 139, 1 through 6, and continuing on 13 to 18. Um, I don't know what page it's on in the uh, Pew Bibles, but the first reading um, is for the director of music and of David. This is uh, one of David's Psalms. You have searched me, Lord. And you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The word of the Lord. The second scripture is Acts 10, and it actually starts around chapter 9 but I've, it's a very long verse, and I've, I've cheated along the way to tighten it up for you a little bit. Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet was let down to the earth, by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or clean, unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, 
and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into his house as his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone unclean or impure. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does, does what is right. So that's the expurgated version of Acts 10. God be willing to share that with us and to make sense of it to us right now. In the 10th chapter of Acts, we find an astonishing story about a shocking spiritual vision experienced by Peter, a.k.a. Simon Peter. Peter has a vision that rocks his world, changes his mind, and brings unexpected people into his world. The sacred vision challenges Peter's understanding of what it means to be chosen, and it opens his mind to the truth that the love of God the ways of God, which Peter has met in Jesus, are not for a select few, after all. Remember, Peter grew up with a set-in-stone understanding that certain foods, like certain people, are unclean and impure, and that according to the book of Leviticus, it is unlawful to be anywhere near such foods or such people. The law of Moses was unambiguous and specific. No camel soup, no badger broth, no rabbit stew, no bacon anything. No, no shrimp scampi, no coquille Saint-Jacques, no clams casino, no oysters Rockefeller, not even a plain boiled lobster. According to the law of Moses, all the creatures featured in such dishes are unclean, detestable abominations that are irrevocably banned from God's menu. Then we get to people. According to the law, women are quite often shamefully unclean, 
and I don't want to go into the details in this place. Sick people are also generally detestable, and once more I will spare you the icky minutiae. Other cultures and other religious practices are abominations. Certain sexual practices are unclean, and in this story from Acts, we are reminded that anyone from another nation, anyone from another tribe, such as the Gentiles, is unclean, impure, and therefore to be avoided at all costs. Peter did witness Jesus hanging out with all sorts of abominable persons, Sumerians, women, tax collectors, lepers, but apparently he didn't get it or didn't want to get it. The disciples were never very happy about the aspect of Jesus' behavior, and so they were quick to let that part go. And so whatever bold moves Jesus made that placed him in the, in the company of unclean persons, Peter was not about to abandon the immutable law of Moses. Now, as you may recall, if you know anything about Simon Peter, it was not unusual for Peter to miss the message. He was not always the sharpest tool in the shed. He had his obtuse thoughts. And so here, God whacks him upside the head with an intense vision. This vision blows all of Peter's assumptions about who is acceptable and who is not right out of the water. And he realizes that everything he thought was true, everything he'd been taught was true as a boy, was not. Here's what happens. Peter is praying and becomes hungry. While he is waiting for lunch to be prepared, he falls into a trance, literally an ecstasy. In this ecstatic state, Peter has a visual revelation in which the heavens open and something like a large sheet is lowered down from heaven by the corners. And what does Peter find in this heavenly bundle? All those unclean, abominably disgusting animals that no self-respecting Hebrew would ever touch, let alone turn into a tasty dish. Then Peter hears a heavenly voice telling him to kill one of those animals and have it for lunch. What? These animals are blacklisted. These animals are redlined. By no means, Peter responds. I've never eaten anything like this before, and I'm certainly not going to start now. I know which lunch meats are acceptable and which are not, and there is absolutely nothing acceptable in there. But the heavenly voice says to Peter, what God has made clean, you must not call unclean. And just in case Peter misses the message, it is repeated twice more. What God has made clean, you must not call unclean. What God has made clean, you must not call unclean. Now, nothing is harder on God's green earth than to change your mind. But by the power of God's Holy Spirit, that is exactly what happens with Peter. He changes his mind. His horizons of what is acceptable in the eyes of God are dramatically expanded. He lets go of what he previously knew as right and wrong. 
This commanding vision prepares him for what happens next. There is a very unclean and impure man named Cornelius who, following his own sacred and surprising vision, sends for Peter. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, a Gentile, apparently an Italian, and he is a devoted worshiper of God who leads a life of prayer and generosity. God is about to bring this unlikely pair together. Cornelius, the Italian Roman Gentile centurion, and Peter, the passionate but occasionally stubborn-minded disciple, who right up until he has this vision knows in his heart that to let such a person into his world is truly an abomination. But miraculously, Peter gets it. This is not about food, this is about people. I truly understand, says Peter to Cornelius when they at last meet. I truly understand that God does not discriminate. Other visions, other versions of this in, in different Bibles say, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Or, I now realize how true it is that God shows no favoritism, no partiality. Or a more literal translation, God is not a chooser. This is huge for Peter. This is a radically fresh understanding of who God is. It's a challenge to the Hebrew notion of chosenness and pulls the rug out from under Peter's very identity. God is not so choosy after all. What matters to God is not where you are from or who your tribe happens to be. Peter goes on to say, in every nation, anyone who reveres God and does justice is acceptable. There is no way to underestimate how momentous is this revelation. The understanding that not the law of Moses, but God alone has the power to determine who is acceptable and who is not. In Peter's vision, everything he thought of as an abomination is declared by God to be clean. This is a hallelujah, praise God, turning point in the history of the early church. It opens up the whole world to the apostles, and it opens up the apostles to the whole world. Now, in spite of how a flawed church has acted over the centuries in its repeated tendencies toward exclusivity and lack of acceptance of anyone who is somewhat different, and in spite of the steady embrace of the very tempting notion that some people are more chosen than others, the horizon-stretching, assumption-blasting work of God's Spirit is the same then and now. The work of the Spirit is to move us beyond the things that we may have been taught that, as it turns out, are not true. The work of the Spirit is to change our often stubborn minds and to rock our sometimes complacent worlds. The work of God's Holy Spirit is to stretch the breadth 
of our acceptance. So may it be. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope that today's message has blessed you. It was a blessing for us to share it with you. And I hope that you'll continue to listen along with us at Sermons by the Park. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Union Congregational Church, please do visit churchbythepark.org or find us on Facebook. Just search at Church by the Park. Our theme music today was Morning Dove by Zachariah Hickman. Now may God's grace and peace be with you.